the origin of all things is what we're going to begin to look at. Uh, our plan is to study a chapter a week, so we'll get through it in 50 not 50 weeks, because there's Christmas, and there's Easter, and there's things like that in between, but 50 studies in the book of Genesis is our plan. Um, so there's going to be quite a bit of content some weeks to get through, tonight being one of them, so we'll get right into it. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers are glad to get one to you, and you can turn to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. A brief introduction as you're turning your Bibles, as you're getting your Bibles uh, to Genesis is that it is all about God. It is about the beginning of all things. Uh, it is going to help us learn what God is like, what he desires, what his perfect plan is. It reveals God to us. It is very literal. Some people would try to say that Genesis, or even at least the first few chapters of Genesis, are figurative, uh, that they are more poetic, but that is not the case. It is very literal, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about it as we get into it. We see how literal it is. Uh, Genesis is uniquely important. Sometimes, you know, some people might think, well, it's just a historical book, and it's good stories about the history of the world, but it's, it is essential for us to know where we came from. It is essential uh, for us to understand the beginning of so many things, the origin of sin, the origin of redemption, uh, the, the origin of the promise of the Messiah. It all starts in Genesis. Right? And there's so much more. Most doctrines in the Bible are founded or began, uh, begun with in Genesis. Um, so it is uniquely important in that sense. It is important because it's the origin of everything, the beginning of everything, of life, relationships, cultures, languages, there, everything starts here in the book of Genesis. Anything that is currently happening in the world today or, or has happened up until this point uh, cannot, doesn't have to be a surprise because it all started with Genesis. All the sins of the world that we face and we think, wow, the world is so wicked and terrible. Actually, there was much more wicked times that we'll get to see in the book of Genesis. If people forsake Genesis and understanding Genesis, they will get everything else wrong. It is really important that we focus and look at what God's plan was from the beginning. God had a perfect order, and he, he planned it all perfectly. There, and there's so many direct connections from the book of Genesis into the New Testament as well. So this gives us all a little perspective of the importance of studying the book of Genesis. And so we start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, a verse that you have probably heard before. In the beginning, God. We'll stop. You're like, we're going to make it through a chapter tonight? Maybe. Um, so in the beginning, God. This is so important. It is the starting point. 
In the beginning, God. God existed. We are going to start our entire study on the book of Genesis with that premise that God existed. Now, there are plenty of people and who would argue that. There, are, of course, are atheists in the world, and there are many who may be agnostics and people who would claim really to know nothing. That's what an agnostic is. But an atheist that claim there is no God, and, and, and there are people who, would, who, who question this, but we, as believers, gathered in this room to study the Bible and believe the Bible to be true, will start with the premise that the Bible is true and what it says is true. Therefore, God existed in the beginning. It's the foundation, really, for all theology. If you don't believe that God existed in the beginning, then all of your other theology is actually not theology at all. It has no, uh, there's nothing to it. There's no bite to it. There's no backbone to it. Theology doesn't exist without understanding the existence of God. It is the foundation for all uh, theology. And there's, there is tons of evidence that support the existence of God. One being, of course, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Look around. Now that's what we're going to get into significantly tonight is the creation of the world, right? God created. And that's what we, we get into right after this is in the beginning God created. But we start with the fact that God existence, God existed and his existence is represented. It's not just a word that's spoken. And honestly, for me, because I have faith, because I believe the Bible to be true, the simple statement is enough. But there's a lot more that supports it. And that can encourage us in our faith. That can encourage us in our walk with God. And so there's, there's tons of evidence that support the existence of God. There's order that supports the existence of God. What we look at in the world today as order, and, and there are many people that would say, yes, there is order in the world. You might say, no, there's not order in the world. There is a certain order in the world, and it supports an existence of God. And we'll get further into that as well. There are cycles of life that support the existence of God. There's the human body that supports the existence of God, and that's part of the creation. But you know who says there is no God? The fool, that's what the Bible tells us. The fool says that there is no God. It is assumed in Genesis chapter one, verse one, it is assumed that God existed in the beginning. And it's not defended. It, the, the following verse didn't say, no, really, God existed. It's just, an, it's just assumed and it is stated as fact in the beginning, God. The Bible does not defend the existence of God. It represents the existence of God. It continues to prove the existence of God. It's not a matter of defending itself because it doesn't have to. It assumes truth because the Bible is the authority. God is the authority. It's easier to believe in God's existence than not to believe. Uh, because without God, like I said before, without God, we have no order. And without God, everything is meaningless. You have to fabricate some other theory to try to explain away God. 
And that's simply what it is. Everything that tries to explain away God is a fabricated theory, but the Bible is authoritative. The Bible speaks truth based on facts. There's evidence, there's documentation that support the Bible. We can spend the whole night talking about creation versus evolution and representing that God, is, God existed and we'll bring up some of these various points, but we believe in the existence of God. That's the starting point, and everything stems from there. So God created is the next statement. In the beginning, God created. Essential to believe in God as the creator. Not as a creator, not as part of what made the world happen, but God created. And this, this speaks even of the, the, the fact that the theistic evolution is not really a thing, that some of the church is grabbing a hold of and saying, well, theistic evolution, where God created things and then it kind of evolved, many things evolved over time, and people don't perhaps believe in the uh, literal six-day creation, and, and there's different ideas out there, but God is the creator, and we need to believe in him, trust in him as the creator. And, and Genesis 1 represents very clearly these things. It will say things like, God spoke, and it happened, right? This is what God did. He spoke into existence many different things. And as God created, we believe him to be the creator. Without a divine creator, everything would be meaningless. And to believe that everything happened by chance would take a lot more blind faith than anything else. And that is what the world would tell you. That it all happened by chance, or there's the big bang theory, or there's all different ideas, there's a gap theory. We'll talk about them briefly tonight, but not wanting to give too much attention to these things because they challenge who God is. Uh, and it's not true, it's 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 actually false. These are theories, like I said before, fabricated theories. But you know, the thing about chance is there is no evidence. You can't have evidence of chance, right? There, there, things don't happen by chance. It all happens under God's authority and in God's order. Every single thing is under his authority. Nothing actually happens by chance. And there is no documentation of chance, you roll the dice, it is what it is. You roll again, it is what it is. You roll again, you cannot predict chance, and there's no documentation of chance working out in a certain order. So the order that we have in the world is because of God. Everything happening by chance would negate any order that there is in the world today. He created, and he created in order for a purpose with a plan. I'll say that again. He created, that's where we start. He created in order, that's what we're going to see tonight, and he created in order for a purpose with a plan. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Nothing happens by chance when God is involved. God existed, God created. That is our starting point. So it goes on, God created the heavens and the earth. That's where he started with a clear separation between heaven and earth. 
And talking about this, the universe, is, it is evidence of divine creation in itself. Galaxies, let's talk about for a moment. Divine creation is going to be clearly supported in galaxies. I'm not talking about our galaxy, which is mind-blowing enough. You could go outside, maybe not in New Jersey so much, but you could go outside in some places and you could see the stars in the sky. There's no light pollution and you look up and wow, it's amazing. It is truly glorious and we see the tiniest little sliver of our galaxy. Many years ago, I was at the School of Discipleship in Montana, Northwest Montana. We were right near Canada, really close to the border. It was like out in the middle of nowhere. There's no light pollution. There's no people. The nearest town was like 20 miles away. There's more animals than there are people out there, right? But one night, I'm literally laying on the ground on my back, just looking up, and you could see the band of the Milky Way across the sky. And, and the, the stars were absolutely countless. Like, there, there was barely separation between, they were so close to each other, clusters upon clusters. It was mind-blowing. That was just in this one tiny little isolated random spot in the middle of nowhere in northwest Montana. That's just our galaxy that I saw this band of the Milky Way. It was amazing. But listen, one galaxy holds millions, or I'm sorry, billions and billions of stars. And there are millions of galaxies. The average distance between galaxies is 12 million trillion miles from each other. Okay? Then our nearest galaxy, the Andromeda galaxy, is over 2.5 million light years away. That's the nearest to us. A light year is about five, uh, more than actually, 5.8 trillion miles. So 5.8 trillion times 2.5 million, and you get the number. It's over, it, it, it's an incomprehensible number. It is so far, and that is the nearest galaxy, major galaxy, to the Milky Way, to our galaxy. But there's millions of galaxies. God created the heavens and the earth. And there are people who would try to say that a bang somehow put all of these things perfectly in order and perfectly in its place. That doesn't make sense. How could that add up? That takes a lot more, like I said before, blind faith. And by blind faith, I mean it's faith in nothing. It's faith in theory. It's faith in chance. And it doesn't add up. The heavens declare. The firmament shows handiwork, Psalm 19. The human body is fearfully and wonderfully made. These are some of the evidences of divine creation. The brain. Now, like, we are just going to scratch this, like, tiniest little surface of things because we don't have all night. And there are so many, so many resources you can dig into. But the human brain is made to handle unbelievable extremes. 
right? I mean, you could be in extreme pain and your brain is designed to actually block that pain in a moment like that. We say, oh, we went to shock. You didn't even feel it. Didn't know what was happening. Years ago, I tore my ACL. I was playing basketball, tore my ACL. My body went into instant shock and I was like, yeah, I think I'm okay. I stood up and tried to walk and fell on the ground. And then over time, it's just like, no, I'm not okay. It got worse. The pain set in, and it was excruciating. But in that instant, my brain said, no, not right now. You need to be able to get up off the basketball court, right? It wasn't voluntary. I didn't come up with that, but it happened. The brain changes and adapts over time. Just whatever it's needed, whatever you face, the brain responds. I mean, just I moved my arm in that moment, right? My brain was doing a lot, but it's just an involuntary, automatic thing that's taking place. The eye automatically changes its sensitivity to brightness. You, if we turn all the lights off in this room, everybody would have to, need to take a moment, right? But your eyes automatically change in sensitivity and you can't see anything it's just pitch black and then all of a sudden you're like okay i'm adjusting and i could start to see just a little bit perhaps and then what happens if you walk out in the sun after you've been in a dark room boom you're like ah i can't see you close your eyes and but then what happens you adapt because the eye automatically changes its its own sensitivity to brightness the ear deciphers sounds through vibrations. I mean, that's, we just think these are automatic things. I could see, I could hear, and some of you are like, well, I can't see or hear as well as I used to, but you could still see and hear. There's vibrations going through the air right now, and your ears, it's like the, the little hairs inside your ears are rattling, and it is responding and telling your brain what's happening, and your brain is translating that in the English language to understand somehow what is happening. This just tiny little things. The heart. The heart beats involuntarily over 100,000 times per day without tiring or malfunctioning. And you're like, well, most of the time, yes. But that's how God designed us, without tiring, without malfunctioning, over 100,000 times a day. And it just happens. Our brain doesn't tell our heart to beat. It just happens. These are just some of the things. These things are just the tiniest snapshot of how amazing creation is and that it points to a divine creator who is God. It was God himself who created. He had no pre-existing material. He didn't sit there with a lump of clay and be like, I'm going to make the world and start forming it. And then, oh, let's get some water in there. Let's do these different things. And, and let's, oh, let me get a person and let me just figure out how I'm going to make this. And let, like, God didn't use anything. God created. He spoke no pre-existing material or gaseous explosion of some sort. The Hebrew, Hebrew translation actually says that he created out of nothing. 
refuting, of course, the Big Bang Theory. The Bible is clear, but the world argues the facts. And I, I could recommend, recommend to you some good resources are, um, as you want to just dig deeper, Ken Ham has lots of really good resources. If you've never been out to uh, Kentucky to the Creation Museum or the Ark that's out there, you, you'll, your mind will be blown. You'll love it. Um, we've even talked about planning a church trip there at some point or another. You're like, yeah, let's go. Road trip with like 50 people, huh? It'd be great. Um, but he, there's lots of good resources. You can go on their website, Answers in Genesis, and um, good resources to be able to answer some of the specific questions and challenges that the world has against creation, against you know, the millions of years that they say you know, of evolution or against the literal six days of creation and things like that. And so um, they answer, help answer a lot of those questions. So some good resources for you. And you know, many scientists would claim to know the origin of the world through some big bang. Um, but again, that's all theory. We, of course, have the benefit of sticking with the Bible. It's not theory, it's fact. But that was a long time to spend in verse 1. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We see that the earth was first without form, and it was void. And some will claim there's this gap theory between verse 1 and verse 2. And in that gap was literally millions of years that took place. God created the heavens and the earth, and then there was this gap, and there was no form. And, but the problem with that is it doesn't work because that would mean there was many years of death and destruction. Uh, and we know, according to the Bible, that death came from sin that came through Adam. We'll get into that in the next couple weeks. But there was, it was uh, without form, it was void, there was darkness. And there was, so what is darkness? We've said it many times before. It is the absence of light. And some say that Satan was cast down to earth dwelling in the darkness right during this time. The Spirit of God was hovering and protecting during this time, as it says there in verse 2. God created... You know, this is kind of a side note, really, that God created, when he created, we're about to get into all the things that he created, he created an aged earth. God didn't create seeds that trees and plants grew out of. And this, of course, answers a lot of the questions of the old earth, right, or the challenge of the old earth idea. God didn't say, let there be seeds planted and then watered and then sunlight and growth and all these. No, it, he actually spoke into exi existence many things, and then the growth happened. And interestingly, we're going to get into growth happened before the sun. And so uh, anyway, just a kind of a side note, but that's the reality is that God created an aged earth. He created trees. He created plants. He created grass. He spoke these things. He told these things to grow. Um, he didn't create baby Adam right? He created man, and there was Adam. It wasn't like, oh, what's he going to do with the baby? The baby can't take care of things. The baby doesn't have dominion over the earth. Uh, so that gives us a perspective, though, that that's how God created was an aged earth. So then verse 3, then God said, 
let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. God, the first day, the first thing he did was divided the light from the darkness. God said, and that's, that's the starting point again, then God said, right? Now, the, the introduction to the whole thing is God existed, God created. Then we see what, what was going on. The earth was without form. The earth was void, but here's how God took this earth that was without form, that was void, and this is how God created. He said, God said, let there be light, because God has the authority. The only one who can speak things into existence assumes that he existed, and he is all authority. God spoke. He didn't form or fashion. He commanded, and he allowed. He spoke it into existence. All, all things happen at his word and under his authority. So we know that there was darkness. We know that God spoke. He said, let there be light. The light came and the light broke the darkness. It broke the chaos. It was without, it was without void. There was, it was, and it was void. It was without form. It was just nothing and God spoke and he broke that darkness to bring order to the void. What an encouraging thing. In the beginning, that's what God did. He spoke order into the void of the earth. And sometimes we may feel that, man, like things are just, I have a void, right? I have this emptiness. I, it, and that's the reality. It's emptiness. That's what void is. It's emptiness upon emptiness upon emptiness upon emptiness. And you, sometimes you have that feeling of just like, blah, emptiness. But God in the beginning saw the void and he spoke into it. He spoke life into it. He spoke growth into it. He spoke, first of all, light into the darkness because darkness was a problem. It broke the darkness. It brought order. And this was before the sun, moon, and stars. Before the sources of light, he spoke light. It's speaking of something that's more than a physical light. It was supernatural. And we know, according to John chapter 1, you don't have to turn there right now. I'll just turn there briefly and, and read it. In John chapter 1, verse 1, of course, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus. We talked about this on Sunday morning. Jesus was in the beginning with God, and we're going to look at that later. We see the Trinity there in the beginning. We see God say, let us make man into our image. Jesus was there. And Jesus was the light, and the light shines in the darkness, John 1, 5, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Before the sun, before the moon, before the stars, God spoke light, 
the light of men. It was supernatural. Verse six, we continue, then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Day two. What we're talking about here is the division of the atmosphere from the earth, the firmament, the separation. Uh, and it, it, there's an, it, this talking about an expanse and a separation between the earth and the sky. And that's what God is creating now. The Hebrew word translated is dome. Water above from waters below, the water of the land which covers the earth, and the water above, which was this, the idea of the vapor of the sky. It's this, the idea here in the Garden of Eden where God had built, you know, put man, it, there was this greenhouse effect going on, and he separated the waters, and he held back the waters until, of course, we know the flood not too long after, well, it's actually really long after this, but it's only a few chapters after this in Genesis. But this is, of course, referring to the open space above the earth, uh, realistic to the sky and the atmosphere. Verse 9, we continue on to day 3. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. We see here, of course, the division of land and sea. The earth was covered in water, and God gathered the waters and made land come out of it. And then he commands growth. I love how he, he just, he says it. He commands growth and the growth happens. Remember I said before, this is before the sun and the moon and the stars were created. What do we need for growth? Sun, right? This is a scientific fact. We can believe that science, okay? I promise. There, the growth, the sun is necessary for growth. But this is growth happening before the sun is in the sky because God told it to grow. God spoke it into existence. Without the sun, the light that was provided was enough. It was sufficient. And what God is doing is we're starting to see the order that he puts in place of preparing the earth to care for itself, right? He's like, okay, we're going to create, the, there's going to be the grass, there's going to be the trees, there's going to be fruit, and they're going to contain the seed to continue growth, to continue to reproduce. That's the order that God created. 
right? And within it, it would be of its own kind, but it's perfectly directed by God. Ultimately, growth was happening because God commanded it. And this is the beginning of life on earth, directed by God. Not evolving over millions of years, but specifically spoken and directed by God, the creator. Scientists claim the Big Bang Theory because of certain fossil evidence that demonstrates that life exploded into existence. What they say is that life began in a geological instant. But you see, if we believe in the Bible, if we believe the Bible to be true, it just makes sense. It's historically accurate. There was geologically instant life because God spoke it into existence. But they would claim there's this fossil evidence. Where's the documentation? Where's the evidence of that chance that, took, that Big Bang took place? This is the Bible, the word of God, that tells me what happened. And as he says it, right, he sets it in order and he says it's according to its kind. The fruit, the plants, the trees, the grass, according to its kind. God allowed variation within kind, but not changing from one kind to another. God demonstrates his order of life before even creating man, it was in the fruit and the trees and the grass. You see, the, there's no fruit that grew out of the grass. The fruit would grow out of fruit. Grass would grow out of grass. Now, yeah, you would say it was plant, maybe it was planted in grass. Yeah, that's, of course, I get it. But the seed contained its own kind. You don't have... A, uh, you know, an apple tree that you take the seed, you plant it, you plant an apple tree, and then suddenly, oh, there's just some grass. That doesn't make sense. I'm going to plant some grass, and then suddenly there's this giant oak tree. Doesn't happen. That would be something happening by chance, and chance doesn't actually exist. Chance is admitting in it, within itself that it means nothing. But the Bible is historically accurate, and, and what God is, is allowing is variations within kind, because, of course, we know there are many different types of fruits. There are many different types of trees, but not changing from one kind to another. And then he says that it is good. God says that it's good because God looked at life and life is good. That's not just a catchphrase that you might see on t-shirts. Life is good, and that's what God demonstrates from the very beginning, the value of life. Verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. 
He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of heaven, of, of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So here on the fourth day, we see the source of lights in the world. We know, of course, Jesus is the source of all light, the light of the world, the light of men, as it says. But this is what God has given to say, hey, this is the sun, this is the moon, this is the stars to be sources of light for you. And why would God do all of this? Because he had a plan for man. He had a plan for humankind. He's not just creating for fun. Right? He hasn't even gotten to animals and you know, marine life or birds of the air yet. Right, He hasn't got to any of that. But he prepared the way for all of it. He gives this source of light, and it says, for signs and seasons. What it's for is to tell time, to measure time, to, to, for, to measure growth, to measure change. Signs and seasons is connected in a singular statement. We're not talking about signs like the constellations of these zodiac signs here, but it is actually connected in the text of signs and seasons of more of an agri agricultural uh, sense and then even the, the coming religious feasts and festivals that God would set in order for his people. But it was the creation of the source of light, the measure of time, then even in the moon, the influence of the tide. You realize the influence that the, that the moon has on the world? I, I don't know if you guys watch kids' movies, but, you know, the uh, despicable me, the guy tries to shrink the moon and steal it. I don't know if some of you guys are like, yeah, I remember that. It's ridiculous, right? But he shrinks the moon, he steals it, and there's this guy surfing, and then all of a sudden, he goes smack down on his face, the waves are gone, because the moon is gone, right? The guy stole the moon, and they had to put the moon back. Anyway, just a dumb movie. But do we realize the influence that the moon has? It affects so much, right? Well, first of all, it affects the marine life. In so many different ways, right? Down to like the algae and the, and the, the uh, seaweed, it, it affects all of those things in the way that they get washed in all different places. The moon affects that, the tide. It affects the weather because the tide affects the weather, Right, we get, we get some certain tides out at sea and it affects the, the hurricanes that are headed up the coast and, and the temperature of the water is affected by tides and all these things, it's affected and then we get hit with a big superstorm or something, right? It all goes back to the moon. And of course, eventually, not yet, but eventually, the tides, the moon, the light and the tides would affect navigation across the sea. You see, God knew that. God knew that before man was created, and he prepared for it. He planned for it. God is proving his order, and that his order is perfect, and his plan is perfect. Verse 20, then God said, let the waters 
abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Birds and the sea creatures are created the fifth day, not evolving over millions of years once again. Even though there are, even people would say, look, there's such similarities between the structures of this, uh, the birds of the air and the, and the sea creatures. If you look at their bone structures and things like that, wouldn't that just tell you that maybe one person designed the birds of the air and the creatures of the sea, right? The similarities, that one person was the perfect designer of those things. And that one person who designed those things knew that aerodynamically they had to fly or swim through the waters. Wouldn't that just make sense? We don't have to try to explain away God. We can trust God that the Bible is true. And again, it was according to their kinds, not changing over time. Evidence of gradual change is actually absent from fossil records, but nobody wants to admit it, right? So fossils represent that either a species is unchanged over time or that a species suddenly appeared at a various time in history. But fossil does not represent gradual change over time. There's no fossil records that represent that. We see, if we just trust the Bible, that the word of God is true, then we will understand evolution over millions of years, a big bang theory, a gap theory. Why do I have to try to add or subtract from the word of God. This makes a lot more sense if we believe in a mighty God. But the fossils represent, they don't represent this gradual change. They represent either sudden change or not changing at all. Uh, and, and by change, it's not even, a, it's like just a different species, it's not even change. So the fact is, there is no change. Kinds don't change from one kind to another. And, and, and that's really the reality of how God created. I mean, we, we can look at dogs, for example, right? God didn't sit there and like, okay, uh, Great Dane. Um, how about we get a poodle? How about we get a, you know, golden retriever? How about we get, and just going through a list, like that's, God created a kind. And then out of that kind, there were other species that happened through reproduction over time, not by chance and not by evolution. Verse 24, then God said, 
Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So here we get into day six. Day six here, the the land animals, first of all. And again, it was according to its kind. God, think of all the land animals. God demonstrates his handiwork here in all the various different types of animals, all the different kinds, right, according to their kind. And I mean, I don't know, I, I, I get like, I think of my kids when they're like building Legos, and some of the things they create, it's like super goofy and fun, but they just have this imagination. God, without question, had an imagination. Look at like uh, Anteater. What? What is that? Look at a giraffe. What is that thing? I mean, elephants. What is going on here? These different kinds that God created out of his just intelligence, but his handiwork, his craftiness. He had some fun while he was doing it. That's what I get the picture of. As, as we, we get to look at this and as God's creating, it wasn't this super serious, like, you know, dramatic picture that I get. At least I get this, like, fun. Like, God's like, yeah, let's create the animals. This is going to be great. Look at that guy. <laughs> you know, look at that guy. Look what I'm going to do now. I'm going to make a duck-billed platypus, you know. What? <laughs> Why? God had a plan. God has a perfect plan. Although I think there's some creatures that are after the fall. The mosquitoes, termites, you know. <laughs> no, God has a perfect plan. We don't know exactly every single kind that he created, but we know that he created And he was creative in his creation. Don't walk outside and not appreciate how creative God is. Don't look around. You know, we we forget because we're in our cars that man has created. We're driving down the road faster than, you know, we should be. And we're forgetting about everything that's around us. And being able to appreciate how creative God is. But then he says, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Now, first we see God makes, uh, God has a plan to create man. Now, it's pretty clear all throughout this chapter that God had a plan to create man all along. But now everything else we see is like God created, God spoke, God said, God, you know, and, and it happened. Now he says, let us make man in our image. 
He's having, first of all, who's us? He's having a conversation. Clearly, we are pointed to the Trinity. It is a reference to the Trinity. And we see even the Spirit of God who hovered the earth. We know in the premise of this entire thing is that God existed. And then, according to John 1, verse 1, Jesus was in the beginning with God. We see the Trinity present here. And God says, let us make man in our image. This plan to create man in our image. It's not like anything else that was created. First of all, there was a plan. There was a planning stage in the process. And it's the only thing that was created in God's image. He said, let us make man in our image. Not let us make whatever, something else in our image, but let us make man in our image with a soul, with a spirit, with great the greatest value, clearly, because he gives man dominion. With greater intelligence, with greater emotion, with morality. God has put those things into man with great care and great preparation. You look around, you don't see morality in the beasts of the earth. You don't see morality in the seagulls that are attacking the fish in the water. There's no morality there, right? And, and you know what? We question the morality of the world, but God, from the beginning, has put morality in man. This is how God put this care and this attention into the creation of man. And then in that, he gave dominion. Now, God had to put that care and attention into man in order to give dominion to man. He didn't just create another beast of the field and say, yeah, give that one authority. Because God has an order. God did everything in his perfect order and prepared the way. And he created man in his image and gave dominion to man in his order. Giving man dominion over the earth to steward the earth. This isn't, this isn't like a power trip that God is giving to man. And we think, yeah, we rule the earth. He gave Adam stewardship in that dominion. That's the word there, is stewardship. What have we done with that stewardship? Do we glorify God with it? And I'm not talking about, like, make sure you recycle and this. And I mean, there's so many things out there that's like, who knows, man? Recycling is like a lie or something. And I mean, we don't really know what's going on there. I'm just talking about honoring God. Not honoring Mother Earth. That's not a thing. Honoring God in the way that we steward what we have been given dominion over. It's, a, it's, it's really kind of scary to look in, around and think of how mankind has stewarded this world. And we think, man, it's wicked. Well, it was really wicked because God decided to destroy it all. In Genesis. But he gave man dominion, and this was the planning and preparation. God planned carefully for man. Verse 27 So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There are two different ones there, if you didn't know. There's male. And there's female. 
God followed through with the plan. He said, let us create man in our image. He made a plan. Then he created man as he said he would. And then he says, male and female, he created them. He created man in his image. And then he said, male and female, he created them. That's it. Nothing else. There is no gender fluidity in the Bible. It's an interesting term that's come up in the year 2021 of gender fluid. And, and I mean, this stuff, guys, is getting shoved down our throats. It's popping up in kids' shows. And I mean, Nickelodeon's got commercials on you know, Gay Pride Month in, of June, and they're like, yeah, this is great. Transgender people singing songs and to the kids. I mean, this is the reality of the world we live in. That is so against the image of God. Do you understand that? We're talking about the image of the almighty God, Elohim, the Lord, that we are sinning as a society. I'm not saying you are, but as a society, we are sinning against and rejecting the very image of God. Because God said male and female, he created them. There's no lack of identity here in Genesis chapter 1. There's no identity crisis in Genesis chapter 1. But it comes. The identity crisis comes when the devil shows up and gets man to question the image of God. And that's where we're at as a society. People questioning the image of God. What does that lead to? That leads to the fall of man. That is the first sin, the fall of man, questioning the image of God. Having an identity crisis in that sense. God's plan is perfect. Male and female differences are part of God's perfect plan. There's no in-between and there's no crossover. Male and female. He created them. He set that order perfectly. We should not question that order. This is basic stuff. And guys, it's creeping into the church more and more every day. The church being more tolerant and accepting of, well, whatever. Whatever lifestyle, whatever sexual orienta- uh, you know, uh, orientation you are, it's fine. It's not fine. It is sinning against the image of God. And we need to be confident in that. An identity crisis within people is actually a crisis of misidentifying God since we are created in his image. And the issues in this world are about the devil bringing to question the identity of God in his image. That's what the devil's been trying to do since the beginning And that's what he's still trying to do, is bring into question the image of God. But then it says that God blessed them. Now, he also blessed the animals so that they would reproduce, right? But now he blesses man and he gives the command. This is the first thing he does for man. Verse 28, then God blessed them. 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion, he says, right? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful. First he gives blessing, and then right after the blessing comes the first command of the Bible. The first command of the Bible is be fruitful and multiply. Amen. That's God's perfect order, his perfect plan. He created man and woman. He brought them together. Genesis continues to to give us a picture of marriage later on. Uh, in chapter two, and we get to see that, and that's what God designed, the first human relationship between husband and wife for the purpose of filling the earth. If you're you're planning to get married anytime soon or you're questioning, should we get married? If you're dating, you're engaged, know this, God's plan for marriage, fill the earth. But this is also being attacked, isn't it? He says, be fruitful. That is his first command. Fill the earth. Now, you realize this. Filling the earth can only be done through multiplication by male and female. There's no other way. So the gender issues that are going on are going to what? Depopulate the earth. It's a problem because God's first command was be fruitful and multiply. And what's happening in the world today? We see many sad things going on over gender confusion. How about abortion? These are just a couple things, but these are the direct attacks on life itself. And God said that life, when he created it, he said it is good. So let us not mess up what God said is good. But follow the command. Follow through. Be confident in the image of God. Be confident in our identity that we have because we are made in the image of God. Walk with him. Don't be confused about these things. Fight for life. The devil is trying to mess up God's plan. This is, that's what this is, right? Chapter one, Genesis one, is God's order being set up from the beginning, planned, prepared, and executed perfectly. And the devil's trying to mess it up. We're gonna get to see more of that later on in the book. And, and it's still happening today. These are direct applications to us in our world today of this gender confusion and of abortion. These are major issues that are direct attacks on God's order when he said, be fruitful and multiply. Direct attacks on God's plan, direct attacks on God's image that was set in order from the beginning. God's plan and his order is perfect. And then he says, And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. 
Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. We can be confident in the fact that it was very good because God's order and God's plan is perfect.